again, everyone, and welcome back to our first edition of Behind the Yellow Line here in 2024. I'm Randall Sanders, happy to be joined, as always, by Jeremy Spector. Jeremy, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing very, very good, Randall. I'm very, uh, you know, I was thinking about this actually a little bit earlier, because it's just me, just point out, it's just me and Randall right now. It is. Ronan is uh, a little bit under the weather, but he does send his regards, as he so often does, and he does hope to be back with us soon. And I'm just pointing out, when big news breaks, as we're about to get into... It's going to be, well, it has been, let me just say, Randall and Jeremy, because Ronan was not here for our council show when we did an emergency pod, and he's not here tonight when we're doing our Shota Imanaga pod. So, uh, you know, we got you covered. Me and Randall have you covered. So don't have no fear, people. Ronan will come back and give his talk, but Randall and I will always have you covered on the big breaking stories. That's right. We are the breaking news team. Trademark it and put it on a t-shirt. So, Jeremy, we did last record just prior to Thanksgiving, and despite that large gap, we hadn't really missed anything. The Cubs have been a lot like our, our winter weather here in Chicago. They were very active early with the Craig Council signing out of nowhere and then a whole lot of nothing since. But just this week, Chicago is getting plenty of winter weather. And to go with that, the Cubs have woken up a little bit too. They've added a major league signing for the first time this offseason. As you mentioned, it is a significant one in the form of Japanese left-handed starting pitcher Shota Imanaga. Yes, 100%, as you said right there. Uh, you know, hibernation Jed, whatever you want to call him, however you want to say, he woke up, right? Uh, and we're here now, finally in January, in the new year, in 2024. Happy New Year to all. Uh, that uh, we got ourselves a new pitcher. We got ourselves a new left-hander from uh, Japan, uh, Shota Imanaga, a guy who we, we've we talked about a little bit. I think we talked about a little bit. We at least mentioned him, I know, for a He's fact. He's come up, absolutely. He's come up. We, we talked a little bit more about, I think, Yamamoto, where, you know, Yamamoto went for crazy big numbers. Like that's not something we discussed on this pod, but 300 plus million I, to me, largest pitching contract in major league baseball history. Uh, that was stunning to me. I, that was shocking. So when we get to what we're going to break down and show the Monaga's contract pretty soon, I, I love this deal. I, I am a big fan of this. I was, I looking through it. I'm not usually typically the guy who's super high um, players coming from other leagues into Major League Baseball. I'm always usually skeptical of that. Even even the Myers, you know, you call up a guy. I'm a skeptical. Of, like, we discussed, I think I was probably like low man on Pete Crow Armstrong coming up, other players coming up, because there's always an adjustment period. It's not to me. So, but I'm I'm high on Imanaga. I, he was the guy when I looked out at this offseason and look at all the starting pitching and the pitching that the Cubs need, uh, I liked him. I thought he was pretty interesting. You know, we talked about... I think I mentioned this before, but he had the highest uh, stuff plus at the World Baseball Class. Now, there's a lot that goes into his very small sample size. You know, they're coming over from Japan, different balls, whatever. But I higher than Yamamoto, who's number two, higher than Shohei Otani, who's on the list, higher than Julio Urias, who, you know, <laughs> we're not going to get into, but had some news uh, this last day or two, higher than your reigning Cy Young winner at that time, Sandy Alcantara, higher than you, Darvish, higher than uh, a former prospect in Jose De Leon. So, like he had stuff and who did the Japanese manager go to at, for the championship game to start? None other I than bet. Shota Imanaga. Yeah, exactly. I guess the United States, look at that staff that they had. They had Yamamoto. They had Otani. They had Imanaga. They, they had, had the Sasaki. Fire, they had the Sasaki. So I was going to get to the fireballing young uh, starter who, who sounds like he wants to come over to major league baseball too, but probably won't for a couple of years. And who do they go to? They went to Shota Imanaga. So, I, I'm stoked about this, and I, I'm very excited that Imanaga is now a Cub. 
Yeah, Jeremy, you were consistent about two things over the course of the offseason. One, that you were really not down with giving Yamamoto the contract that it sounded like he was going to command and did, of course, command. He, of course, pulled $325 million across 12 years from the Dodgers. Good work if you can get it. You were uh, consistent that you did not want to give Yamamoto that kind of money, and you were consistent that Shota Imanaga would be available and would be the, the perfect fit. So that's, uh, I guess, two gold stars for you. Um, some background on the ostensible newest cub he is a 30 year old left-handed pitcher he will turn 31 in september uh, his nickname this is a guy love nicknames his nickname is the throwing philosopher so you're going to have the professor and the throwing philosopher in the same rotation that's worth a look at least financially uh the contract is four years and 53 million and the cubs do have options to extend that to five years and 80 million guaranteed there are uh, trade protections to various degrees in there and then interestingly enough there are opt-outs the cubs will have options that they can decline on on Imanaga following the 2025 and 2026 seasons as year two and year three of the contract. And if they decline either of those options, then Imanaga has the ability to opt out and become a free agent. So there's some creative structuring in there. And then, of course, the posting fee, because he was posted by his NPB team, the Yokohama Dana Bay Stars, that posting fee is about $10 million. So financially, this all seems quite reasonable. Yeah, I, I love this contract too. Like you look look at the AAV. I believe the AAV is going to factor in a, a fifth from that fifty three over four. That's what's going to I think count against the uh, the tax. That's only thirteen point two five million dollars. That's pretty low. There's a lot of starters that went this off season that have a higher AAV than that. That I think Imanaga is going to be bigger than or better than. Excuse me. And I, I to me the way I look at this contract is I think it's either going to be. Uh, you know, that 580, because that's what they can do. They can opt into a, an, an extra year at what I, what seems like $27 million. I think it'll either be that 580 or that 453, because I feel like if Imanaga is really that good, the Cubs aren't going to give him the chance to opt out, right? Because if he could beat that, they're going to say, no, you're staying here. We're going to give you that extra year. They're going to so, pull that lever and keep him. Ex exactly. So I, I don't really see that option of where he's opting out. I don't, I don't think that'll come to fruition because I feel like has, that has to be a scenario where he thinks he can beat the rest of the contract, but the Cubs don't think he's good enough to give that last year, which who knows? Maybe that could happen because it, it kind of happened this year with Marcus Stroman. Maybe he kind of hit that point where the Cubs were like, and he kind of left, but who knows? But uh, I, and speaking of Stroman, I, I, I personally, I think Imanaga is going to be better than Stroman uh this year this upcoming season like Stroman was great in the first half I don't know if Imanaga will be that good as Stroman was in the first half but then he obviously got hurt and faltered towards the stretch I think a lot of 20, things happened I think in 2024 Imanaga is gonna be a better pitcher than Marcus Stroman is so I think that is actually an upgrade uh I I know there's been like I feel like when it came out that the Cubs were the lead were gonna happen like all this negativity started to come out in Imanaga that wasn't there for the weeks before it's like baseball America's now saying he's a four or five starter which they nobody was saying that before you saying the haters the haters are yeah, coming out of the it woodwork. came out now we got like the Giants coming out and saying oh we never really were in on Imanaga we yeah, don't okay. even like him that much all this stuff came out and you're like I, you look all the stats guys that I see and and people that are into like the pitch metrics and everything and I know the ball is different in Japan and you can't adjust for Japan. They love his fastball. It's it's and in in WBC he was throwing at like 94. That's right. Whereas in Japan he was throwing at 91. So they love his fastball. It's got that hoppiness to it and I I just think I think I think the guy's going to be a good pitcher. I think there's some other things I'd get into about it uh with him coming over to an adjusted period, but I really believe this guy's going to be a mainstay of the Cubs rotation. Yeah, and 
I know you're big on, again, the Stuff Plus, this uh, stat that is championed by Eno Saris, the fine baseball writer. Um, now, noteworthy that he was pitching in shorter stints in the WPC. Of course, starters not going more than two or three innings, so the stuff plays up, as it typically does for a pitcher. But you did mention there is the difference in the baseball between MLB and NPB. He was pitching with the MLB baseball in the WBC, and clearly it was not giving him any major problems in that small sample. So that's encouraging. You mentioned uh, you mentioned what he throws. You mentioned how he throws. The scouting report is that he has the fastball. Generally, it'll sit low 90s, 91, 92. He can run it up to 94 in those shorter stints in the WBC. It, it doesn't seem like it's really ticked up in his uh, more starting stints, but he has the fastball. It's got a ton of ride to it, everything I've read. And then he's got a very diverse mix of secondary pitches, and it sounds like the splitter and the slider might be his two best secondary offerings as he comes over and starts to refine his pitch mix a little bit right he he has you look at his numbers in japan and he really seemingly came i mean he's been a good pitcher in japan for a long time he's 30 years old uh but these last couple years he's been really up there he's a strikeout pitcher he's one he's a very much a strikeout pitcher he doesn't walk a lot of uh batters so he's very good in, in location and we i know japan we mentioned it's different it's also different you don't pitch as much in japan you 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 get more rest you get like a kind of a six it is, day. It is one start a week as opposed to kind of two starts at opposite ends of the week. And I I think that could work out kind of in a favorable light for the Cubs because one, we know Craig Council's strength is kind of doing like matching up pitching and utilizing pitchers in different ways. But I think like maybe you're not, maybe you don't really throw because he's making that adjustment to the America, like Imanaga every five days, like a normal starter. But you have these other kind of guys, like where's the Cubs strength in the minor leagues? It's in starting pitching. And you have these guys that are kind of trying to make their way into uh, a major league rotation as major league starters. You have your Hayden Wesneski, your, your, uh, Ben Brown is probably going to try to make it up. Jordan Wicks obviously came up last year. At some point, Cade Horton's probably going to be trying to push it. So, like, you could find ways. And, of course, you have Drew Smiley as your, like, emergency starter or whatever. You could try to find ways to maybe get some of these guys' innings and keep Imanaga, like, a little bit rested so he's kind of on a more normal for him in Japan kind of rotation. So I feel like Craig Council is going to have a lot of toys to play with in that rotation to get guys to get innings out of guys. And maybe they start to do use Imanaga kind of like a Yusei Kikuchi where maybe there's a couple days he's coming out of the bullpen or something as opposed to starting. So like, I, I just do feel like there's a lot of ways they could play with this. And I, 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 I'm very happy about this contract. I love this deal. Oh, I, I can tell you're, you're practically jumping up and down in your chair as we uh, record this on zoom here on the night of uh, January 10th, the signing is not, uh, officially official yet, but all of the reliable reporters seem to have the same information. I'm pretty comfortable that it is going to get done. The report is that he will be introduced officially on uh, Friday, January 12th, but two, two days, I guess, from the time of us recording this. And uh, I hope he gets to stick around for the uh, the Cubs convention that night. I think that would be a lot of fun. And when I say stick around, Jeremy, I learned this reading this as we were preparing to record. Apparently, he's been in Chicago since Christmas. Now, I don't know if that's because maybe his representation is based here or if he just knew what was going to happen. But the one thing I have said about this front office is that they have no trouble burying every secret about their interest in free agents and other acquisitions until it suits them. Dansby Swanson didn't come out of nowhere, but it was pretty quiet until they signed him. Craig Council 
did come out of nowhere. And that's not a dig against Milwaukee, although it could be if I wanted it to be. But Craig, their interesting Craig Council came out of nowhere. And sure enough, here's Shota Imanaga, who's been living in Chicago for two weeks now, and he signs with the Cubs. So again, this front office has no problem keeping things just dirt silent when they want to. And that is something I do appreciate about this front office. You mentioned Imanaga's uh, great command in his eight seasons across uh, eight seasons with Yokohama in NPB across just over a thousand innings, 1,021 strikeouts to only 280 walks. So that is an excellent ratio. We know he's got good command. The one the one maybe issue concern I've seen is that he is a fly ball pitcher and we know that that can bite you in Wrigley certain times a year. Um, so hopefully he's able to equalize that a little bit, but th there is a lot to like about the signing and the things to like, I think greatly, greatly outweigh the things to be worried about. Right. And just to get back a little bit out to your talking about him. I, I just learned that too, when I was, you know, booting up my computer to to start our, we're on zoom to record the podcast. I just saw that he was been in Chicago since like uh, Christmas. And I had saw that as well. And I was like, wow, Jed really, did keep this under wraps because a few days ago there were, there were like I, Patrick Mooney even had it in one of his articles. Like a source tells the Cubs that they're not in on Imanaga. That the Giants and Angels were the finalists. Uh, yeah, and then they and weren't the, the finalists. Or excuse me, source tells the Mooney at the Athletic. Right. And like there was all this stuff, and then it kind of started to come out that oh maybe the Cubs are in on this. But there was a lot. You know he keeps things under wraps, so that's the one thing to always think about with Jed. But and to go back to what you were talking about him giving up the home runs, um, I, I there's a great breakdown from. Marquee uh, analyst Lance Brozdowski. Lance, uh, Lance Brozdowski, who does nothing but great breakdowns. Yeah, you should true. definitely give him a follow. I believe that is Lance. It is Lance at Lance Brozdowski, so he's very easy to find. But definitely give him a follow. He has a he has a fourteen minute video on Shota Imanaga from two weeks ago. So it's not like something that he just put up because Marquee, uh, you know, with the Cubs, he he was doing this uh, weeks ago, and he broke down. Uh, showed him his stuff. Everything is what he thinks about make, you know making an adjustment to America, uh, and he talked about the uh, his propensity to give up homers. Which in in Japan, I guess they don't really have a ton of homers. So like when the guy's giving up a good amount of homers, like it's kind of notable. Uh, he is a fly ball pitcher, and but one thing he noted was that the two of the most similar pitchers he noted were Nestor Cort in America, where Nestor Cortez, a pitcher, the starter for the. Uh, Yankees and Alex Vesio, who's coming out of the bullpen for the Dodgers. And he said they have very similar kind of pitch mix in terms of the fastball. And the, both of those guys pitch up a lot. They pitch up in the zone and Imanaga is not, does not, did not really pitch up in the zone. He pitched kind of down in the zone, kind of down in like kind of that sweet spot where if you see the ball that Trey Turner hit, I believe against him in the double in the WBC, which was the only run he gave up against America in his two innings. I think Trey Turner has solo home run early. It's kind of low and in and, and Turner kind of golfed it out. And he was suggesting that, you know, something they could do is make him work up, start pitching higher in the zone. So guys can't really, you know, get hit it, uh, in that kind of, you know, swing plane. So uh, I, I'm wondering if that's something we see, you know, more. And I mean, he is a fly ball pitcher. The Cubs strength is obviously at Wrigley Field up the middle defense. Uh, so you're kind of taking Swanson and Horner out of it a little bit, you know, and, and Wrigley, the ball can fly. But hey, there's a lot of days the wind blows in, right? And no that's ball's right. getting out. So you hit a ball and, you know, people always like to talk about, hey, the ball flies out of Wrigley, but there's tons of days the wind's blowing it so hard that it doesn't matter how hard you hit a ball. It's just a lazy fly ball. Now, of course, it moves all over the place, but yeah. you got to catch it, but it's not going out of the yard. Um, but so, I, I, as you said, there's 
there's downsides, but there's going to be downsides to anybody you sign. Anybody's going to have uh, negatives. Uh, and I, I just like, you know, I just feel like he fits the Cubs, what they want to do, how they're doing it. You know, we know what the Cubs do with their pitch lab. We know and you're bringing a guy like Craig Council, who's so strong and with pitching staffs. I, I, I as I said, I love this move. I'm very excited about it. And I love this contract. Yeah, and again, we we go back to the contract. It's a very reasonable contract, uh, a lot like Seiya Suzuki's was when he signed. I don't think anybody felt like they had overpaid for Seiya, and I think Seiya is an excellent example of there. there's going to be an adjustment period. There always is for any player, and especially when you are coming from an overseas league where the style of play is a little bit different, there's going to be an adjustment period, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, you know, I, I think it's very important that and I'm, you know, sending a reminder to our future selves and to the future selves of all of our listeners. There's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period. It might be a season-long adjustment period, like we saw for Seiya Suzuki, and that's perfectly okay. You know, I don't think anyone expects him to be Cy Young right off the bat, as fun as that would be. And you mentioned that um, this is a great fit. He's not Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who would have immediately slotted in probably as your number one guy, but he does very solidly slot in as kind of a number two, number three. And what that does, it pushes your depth guys further down the depth chart. And that's in its own way, that can be just as useful. The top four in your rotation right now probably grades out to be Steele, Imanaga, uh, Tyone and Hendricks in some order. You might want to break up the righties, lefties, whatever. And then in that number five spot, you've got competition probably between Wisniewski if they feel like he might still have some starting pitching left in him but Wisniewski Wicks and Assad probably all on the major league roster fighting for that number five spot and then you've got Ben Brown and Cade Horton who I think we both agree is going to be pushing the major leagues by the time the Ivy starts to turn green in the late spring in the summer. So you've got a pretty solid one through four. You've got some great depth guys competing for that number five spot. And whoever doesn't make that number five spot, he slots in as bullpen depth or goes down to Iowa until you need them. So it's a good spot to be in. Maybe you don't have uh, you know, a ready-made ace at the top of the rotation if you don't believe Justin Steele is that. But you've got a pretty solid one through four, and that's not a horrible place to be. We said they needed a starting pitcher. Tommy Hadovy said they needed a starting pitcher, and they went out and got a starting pitcher. Right, and uh, you mentioned Seiya. Uh, you know, Seiya had to do it kind of all on his own, right? Like, he, did. he came to America, he was here. Uh, he came to Chicago. Uh, but Shota's going to have a little bit easier time of it, I think, because he's going to have Seiya. He's going to be there. He's going to have another guy he can be with, speak to, be comfortable with, a friend, a guy he knows. We saw that Japanese team. I know Fox Sports didn't understand what was happening. That when they yeah, they, thought it was, they thought it was an Ichiro jersey. Right, yeah. but we saw how much that Japanese team Great job, loved Seiya Suzuki by holding his jersey after they won the WBC out there. So we, we know that there's a respect there, obviously, uh, I assume, between Imanaga and, and Seiya. So that's going to be something I think that makes his transition easier because he's going to have a person that he can go to who's kind of done this already, number one, a person he knows, a person he respects. It's not just going to be him on his own trying to make that adjustment. So I, I think that's going to work work out for him. And I, I one thing I want to say, though, is it seems to me that Jed always gets his man in his price range. Like, he's not overspending for anybody, but if they're in his price range... He's got them on lockdown. When he gets his guy, he gets that contract he loves. Jed, Jed does have that propensity and uh, former, you know, former NPB players. Uh, Edwin Escobar, the former major league player or former major league pitcher and former NPB pitcher that the Cubs have signed to a minor league contract. He was teammates with Shota Imanaga at Yokohama and Edwin Escobar 
commented uh, very early this morning as the news was starting to circulate a little more that uh, I think he's looking forward to being teammates with Shota Imanaga again. So that's nice. There'll be someone who has spent plenty of time in Major League Baseball and uh, can also help with that transition, at least in spring training a little bit. So that's nice, too. But like you said, Seiya is already in place. He already knows Chicago and the Cubs. And I think that will be a major boon in helping Imanaga acclimate. And you mentioned that Jed gets his man at his price range. When Jim Hendry was in charge of this organization, we talked about how he had that propensity for swinging the big trade without giving up seemingly too much. Now, you know, years later, you look back and go, okay, maybe, maybe keep that guy. But Jim Hendry had that propensity when it came to trades. And it seems like Jed Hoyer has a similar propensity for, like you said, his player at his price with absolutely nothing leaking out about it beforehand. Right. Exactly. Like, and that's the thing, you know, we, we talked about it. Jed, he works in silence and he's not going to, he's not going to go over and above for a guy. He doesn't think he's not going to, we're not going to see these 10, 12. I mean, he gave Dansby a seven year contract, but we're not going to see these 10, 12 year contracts that everybody else is getting. Uh, I just don't think the Cubs are going to see it. And you can, you can debate that if you want, you know, I, but when he signs a guy, it's at his price. But one thing I did want to note about Ebenagan, we talked about uh, the fact that he had been here since December, I guess, uh, I did, I had seen yesterday when they signed him some things about where he was throwing pens for the Cubs in Chicago bullpens. And so they had seen him now that's kind of rumor, but then the fact that he's been here since Chicago is now out there is kind of like reported fact. Uh, I I'm, I'm believing that now, you know, right. That he was throwing bullpens for, for the Cubs. So, cause I had seen some kind of skepticism of, well, all his stuff is in Japan. Like the Cubs don't really know. He's not going to come and throw a bullpen and, and the Cubs aren't going to actually know what it is. They'll just, he's see already, he's already here. Nobody right. knows it. So I I'm pretty sure that before the Cubs committed to this contract with, uh, uh, Shodi Aminaga, that he was throwing some bullpens. They liked what they saw. And then, as I mentioned before, we, we know how strong the Cubs are in that kind of pitch metric, pitch shape, pitch lab kind of area. Uh, unfortunately, Craig Breslow has left, but, you know, Tommy Hadovy, a lot of the other important pieces of that are still around. And so I, I, I'm sure they are very confident in Shota Imanaga's stuff and how it translates to the new ball, we we talked about the difference in the ball, but translate to the uh, American ball and the Major League Baseball ball. Uh, so I, I I'm not too worried about that stuff because I think they have a pretty good idea. Uh, you know, with how deliberate uh, the Cubs are, I don't think they would be making this type of move without feeling confidence in it. This isn't like a one year, eight million dollar or two year, fifteen million dollar. Tucker Barnhart or Trey Mancini. I mean, like this is a commitment. I know it's only four fifty three, but it's still a commitment to bring a guy over and whatever. So I, I don't think they would be making it without having very confidence in like, okay, that's going to play up. They've certainly had all the time in the world to do their deal, their due diligence. You know that they, along with the entire rest of the league, were probably watching very closely during the WBC when they had the opportunity to have scouts stateside. Uh, so we know that they had that opportunity. We know that Jed went on a business trip to Japan late in the major league season. I don't know if he necessarily saw a Shota pitch there, but he probably started laying some groundwork. Um, and it is nearly the end of his posting window. And for those of you out there not familiar with the process, uh, Imanaga was posted in early December, right at the beginning of December. I think it's 30 days, right? So 30 days from tomorrow. I believe it's 45 days. Oh, it's 45 days? Okay, I believe it's 45 days. And that window will be just about to close. Uh, Again, we record this on the evening of January 10th. That posting window will would have actually closed tomorrow 
on January 11th. So they're, you know, they're getting this done kind of right at the wire, but they have had all the opportunity and all the time in the world to do every bit of due diligence on Shota Imanaga. And like you said, it seems like their, their patience has paid off. They've gotten their guy. And, you know, the only thing I hope is that Jed Hoyer doesn't kind of treat this like a college student who keeps putting off that paper to the last minute and keeps getting away with it. You know, I'm not saying that's what he did with Dansby. It's sort of what he's done with Imanaga. Again, the posting window is just about to close. It would be nice to see him kind of sign a guy in maybe early December at some point, but he is, as long as he keeps getting his guy and especially at the right price, it's hard to fault the approach. It's hard to fault the approach when it does end in success. Well, it's the type of thing where it's kind of like, you hope you wish all these players had their own little posting windows, right? Because right. it this forced the action and, and for Cubs fans, uh, you know, and, and maybe even the the front office itself and, and management, uh, it forced it right at the right time for them because Cubs conventions on Friday and they got something to actually show to the fans. On Friday. I'm sure there's still gonna be a lot of frustration. Like this is not enough. But at least it's something we can show off. And, and I would have 100% imagine Shota Imanaga has to be there uh, yeah. on Friday because they're going to do the press conference for him on Friday. So they I, are going to he's got a very stay real that chance, <laughs> very real chance that they do the press conference and then maybe just caravan right over to the, the hotel where they hold right. the Cubs convention um, or, you know, just do the just do the press conference at the hotel. Just get some some, you know, get a, a podium together, get tables together, get, bring your backdrop over and just do it right yeah, there. So, yeah, you'd certainly hope he is uh, going to be at the convention. He's I can tell you with the forecast for Chicago on Friday, he's probably not flying out Friday night. And with that going to be the case, you probably yeah, you might as well just go to the convention. Uh, Shota. So, you know, it is nice that he has had every opportunity to live in the city and explore it. And we've had a pretty temperate winter up until this week. So it's not like he's been shut inside uh, against an impenetrable veil of cold and snow. I hope he's been able to get out and uh, enjoy the city a little bit. And they signed Seiya Suzuki coming right out of the lockout ahead of the 2022 season. They've signed Shota Imanaga as we slowly start gearing up for 2024. That is two not free agents, but posted players, which is similar to free agency. The players do get their choice. Uh, that's two players straight out of Japan that Jed Hoyer has been able to sell on the city and the organization. And I think that means something. You know, we know they didn't get Yamamoto. It seems like that was kind of destined to go a certain way from the start. But Seiya Suzuki was a sought-after player. Shota Imanaga is, depending on who you believe, potentially a sought-after player. I'm not quite sure what I believe on that front. But when, like you said, when Jed is able to bear down and get his guy at his price, I don't think we have to worry anymore about his ability to sell this team and this city and this organization to free agents. Sahadev Sharma wrote that in one of his mailbags this week. There was a very skeptical fan, as there so often are, that the Cubs are incredibly well-regarded among players across MLB. And now that's two players who have chosen to make a major life decision coming over from Japan and settling in Chicago to play baseball here. That's two players that Jed has been able to convince in addition to everyone else he's been able to convince. I don't think we have to worry all that much about the sellability of the Cubs anymore. Yeah, I agree. I, I it's it honestly, I, I was never worried about it. I, I, I never thought that was really uh, an issue. I've always felt that as long as the Cubs make competitive offers to candidates or to players uh, that they will always be in the running for a player. If they're, if they're willing to pay for a player, 
they're going to, you know, people are going to want to play for them. Now, I, I don't, there's certain players, right? You know, maybe going up against certain teams, like, you know, the Dodgers are obviously, and we're seeing it right now, but the Dodgers obviously are going to, are a place people want to play. And I think what we saw with the Otani thing, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't know. The Cubs could probably give offer Otani a billion dollars. I don't know if he would have come to Chicago. So, but when other players, yeah. And supposedly, according to John Heyman, you want to believe John Heyman or not, there was another team out there that, more than doubled his offer, Shota Imanaga's offer, and he chose to come to Chicago. So I, I think the Cubs are a desirable place to play. I think, you know, I remember listening to Chris Bryant on Ian Hab's podcast back then, and he, he said himself, like, why wouldn't you want to play in Chicago? It, it's such a – and Ian Hap was saying the same things. Like, we love playing in Chicago. It just comes down to – are the Cubs willing to go out and, and make a competitive offer? Are they willing to go out and put that out there? If they're willing to do that, then the players are willing to come. And that's how I've always felt. Yeah. And now, now I don't know that I believe those exact words from John Heyman. I don't believe a whole lot from John Heyman to begin with, but you know, the Cubs signing him to a contract that four years, 53 million, which again, a very fair contract. And then of course it comes out, Oh, there was a team willing to pay him a hundred million. That sounds like somebody posturing like, gosh, this sure was a difficult free agent signing, but we got it done. So I'm not sure I buy that, but I, you know, there's no way that there were no other teams interested in him. There's no way that no one else was willing to pay four years, 53 million with that option. So I have, I do believe that the Cubs made their offer. They made it competitive and they sold him on the fit and the team and the city and the organization. So I believe that the finer details of that, I think people can kind of believe what makes them happy in that regard. Uh, but again, Shota Imanaga is, uh, by all accounts, a Cub. He will be introduced later this week. It'll be nice to see uh, the press conference. You know, it's always it's, it's always kind of like how many press conferences are you going to be able to enjoy in one offseason? And we're, we're going to get our, our one, at least. Uh, you mentioned Shohei Otani. It does kind of, in retrospect, seem like he was always going to be a Dodger, and the Dodgers were going to give him basically whatever he wanted to get that done, and you can't do anything about that. I said that before the saga started, that Shohei earned that right to be a free agent, and that includes the right, quite literally, to sign wherever he wants for whatever reason and for whatever money. So if you were never in the picture, there's nothing you can do about that. But when you have the opportunity to sell a guy on your team – you have to take that opportunity, and Jed has done that, and he's done that successfully. Uh, definitely, and 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 as I said, I think I think it's that's always going to be there, and I, and I think what what it really comes down to is just kind of Jed Hoyer and what the Cubs feel comfortable with, because I think I and I know you know there's always this criticism, and I and I and I still have this criticism too, a little bit of Jed, where. I was making that joke about how he always gets his guy at his price. Like he's right. not going to overspend. And I think that's, that's maybe the... where some of those like Imanaga rumors came from that the Cubs were out is because, Oh, if the, if Imanaga gets to like 75 million guaranteed or 80 million guaranteed Jed's out. But if Imanaga gets like 50 to 80 or whatever, like I'm in. So like Jed's that he's not gonna be the guy that's like, and there's positives and negatives. Right. Andrew Friedman had the quote where if you're always reasonable about every free agent, you're going to finish second or third on every free agent. And we've seen kind of some of that. So like you have to exert yourself. You have to take, you willing to take risks if you want to actually land free agents. But uh, yeah, I, I, but he's going to get his guy and he, he works hard and he keeps it quiet. So that's why rumors I'm never uh, like, even with all the Imanaga, I had a feeling 
the Cubs were in on Imanaga, even when there was all this negativity about Imanaga, I had a feeling they were in on him because it just made so much sense. And I don't buy like when it's just quiet, that means that the Cubs are not in on a guy. Right. Quiet, quiet. I think at this point should never be taken as a lack of activity going on, going on behind the scenes because that's never proven true. Again, it was quiet up until Swanson. It's been quiet up until Imanaga and both of those got done. Uh, But Jeremy, you mentioned Jed waiting around for players at his price. Imanaga is a great signing. uh, We hope at what is definitely a great price, but that can't be the end of it for the offseason. Their their wish list was not simply one starting pitcher. There are other names out there. What else do you think could be on the horizon for this team in in short order? Well, it's kind of it's interesting. I think we're in this interesting period right now because one, spring training is going to be right up on us. We're uh, pitchers and catchers reporting about a month. Yeah, yeah, a month. So like, we're getting to the you know that kind of period, and all of the guys left, the top guys, not all the guys, because there's a bunch of guys out there. Yeah. One it's one uniting there. factor. One uniting factor. Scott Boris and the Cubs have never. They you know obviously they've had Boris players. They had Chris Bryant. They've had you know. Uh, mention him now, but Aston Russell was a Scott Boris player. They've had Boris players on their roster, but uh, you know, they've never really gone out and given that big Boris contract. And one of the reasons is Scott Boris likes to deal with ownership and the Cubs don't really have an owner who kind of wants to put himself in those situations. Like and wisely. Lets, so because he lets Jed put himself do everything there. like Scott Boris always negotiates the contract, like above the baseball person's head. Like he'll just go straight to the owner. Cause he knows the owner's going to be like, all right, I'll pay. If the owner's willing to spend, I'll pay $300 million for Bryce Harper or whatever. Um, but you know, they had Cody Bellinger last year, but that was a one-year deal, right? It wasn't like a big co- Scott Boris, but we look at these and all the work coming out from all the Boris mouthpieces that are all out there. There's a bunch of Boris mouthpieces. We Plenty know of them. He's are. got them. He's got them stashed in every city. He's yeah. got he's got plants in every organization. He's got a lot of mouthpieces, but it's like Bor- a woodwind store. The Boris mouthpieces seem very heavily focused on the Cubs. They do. They do. They all their boards are. They're all focused on the Cubs. They're all basically saying the Cubs are involved with all these guys that they're that they think that they can land multiple of them. And, and that's where I am. Like, I think right now, Cody Bellinger is kind of falling into the Cubs lap. I think he kind of is. I, I I think he wanted that two hundred million dollar deal, two hundred plus million dollar deal. Doesn't seem like anybody's willing to give it. Uh, we we the Yankees got Soto. The, the Blue Jays are filling up with Kiermaier or whatever. I, I just feel like okay, they can work out some creative contract. Maybe personally, I would just give him the Brandon Nimmo deal with like an opt out after three years. I think that would be reasonable, right? He's only twenty seven at three years. He wants to opt out at thirty. Like that would be fine. I I would be fine with that. And then, you know, I, I think a, if you get like a Bellinger and a Hoskins to me or a Bellinger and a Matt Chapman, I would be very happy with this offseason. Yeah, you mentioned he has mouthpieces located everywhere. You know, I'm I'd be a little weary of them all being Cubs focused because I think Boris is savvy enough to know that the Cubs are an organization that still has money to spend and that is in need of a lot of pieces still. And it's a great way to drum up interest. You know, the, the old adage, but you know, who is interested in my client, the Cubs are. Uh, but with that being said, going back to our recurring theme of Jed getting his guy all off season, the writings about Bellinger from people, some of whom know, some of whom don't, was that a reunion was not likely, but if it could come at the Cubs price, it might become more likely. And again, here we are in mid-January, Bellinger is unsigned. Uh, you know, the Giants have committed 
big money to their one signing, the outfielder out of Korea, uh, Lee. Yeah. But but they haven't really added anyone else. So the Giants could potentially be in play. You mentioned the Blue Jays brought back Kevin Kiermeyer to play the outfield. So that would lessen the chances of Cody Bellinger potentially going there. I could very easily see that where it continues in a direction that the Cubs are able to structure a contract for Ballinger that is suitable for both sides, like you said, and that Ballinger does end up coming back at the Cubs price. And I certainly wouldn't have predicted that at the start of the offseason because I thought somebody was going to look at Bellinger's 2023 season and say, oh, he's fixed. Here's your money, Cody. That has not happened yet. And we know that Boris is always going to get every dollar that he can. A, because that's what he does for his clients, and B, because every dollar for them is another dollar for him. But uh, yeah, I could see that becoming much more, it's become much more possible, plausible, feasible at this point in the offseason. So that would not surprise me. And you mentioned Matt Chapman. I've come around on him a lot. We know that he plays an unimpeachable third base, and that would be, I think, very nice addition to this infield. You've already got gold glovers up the middle, and you'd be adding one at third base. And I know that his uh, 2023 season, the total numbers were not kind to him. He was playing through apparently a middle finger injury. And I believe you'll be in on this, that the underlying metrics still like the quality of his contract. The Maybe the production wasn't there, but he was hitting the ball very hard when he was making contact. So I know that there might be a school of thought that says, put him on a a nicely structured multi-year deal. You take the defense and you hope his offense comes back around. Right. And, and, and one thing I, we, what, what just happened with the Cubs with Imanaga, like we see this kind of this contract that's kind of as, as, you know, has been described as very complicated. Although I, I think it's kind of straightforward, but it has some issues, but like when you, can negotiate these kind of, you know, these, these certain structures to the contract. I, I think we could see something like that with Bellinger, right? We could see some, a contract where maybe there's a certain amount of guaranteed money and some opt-outs and that protect both sides, right? Like, cause Bellinger, if he's not going to get the 200 major contract that he wants, which he isn't at this point, which I agree with you. I don't think he is like, what did, what happened after the lockout A Scott Boris client, Carlos Correa after the lockout, Everybody thought, oh, Carlos Correa is going to get this huge money. And he ended up saying with the Minnesota Twins for three years, $125 million, I think it was, something like that, with an opt-out after year one. Which he so, took, of course. Which he took. We all, and then, we all remember how that went. Yeah, which, hey, he ended up making a lot more money, but not as much as he thought he was going to. But maybe there's some sort of kind of similar uh, contract that I could see that we, we see the Cubs working on these kind of complex contracts. Uh, finger air quotes. Uh, and hey, Scott Boris is probably willing, has shown he's willing to kind of do things like that. So I think there's a match there. I, I don't think, you know, I think the Cubs are obviously waiting to, uh, where for Bellinger to finally kind of come down to their, their, you I know, hope we're not actually waiting for Pellinger to come down because yeah. I'm not sure that ever happens. But, you know, the mouthpieces are out there. Like I saw there was an, uh, I mean, John Heyman, let's call it what it is. It's a hundred percent mouthpiece for Scott Morris. I mean, even today, he he's just a... like tweeted out, "Oh, Lewis Robert is uh, Lewis Robert is is now a Scott Boris client." Which I'm sad for all you White Sox fans because nobody's reopening with the White Sox. But he's a, uh, he's a big old big old mouthpiece. Put yeah, him right that, in your clarinet. And totally you just to a press release for Scott Boris. It always seemed like, but he was talking about you know. Bellinger and the Cubs, he was kind of doing the opposite. Like, you know, there's all this talk about Bellinger and the Cubs, but there's all these other teams that want Bellinger and look at how good Cody Bellinger is like literally just a point by point, which seemed like it came from an email by Scott Boris of like, look how great Cody Bellinger is. And that kind of felt like negotiating through his mouthpiece, John Heyman, like, 
telling the Cubs, like, look, he can go to all these other teams. Like, it's not just you guys. Um, so I, I feel like it's there. I feel like they're kind of circling around like this, like, you know, middle school flirtation, you know, like uh, passing notes back and forth, passing you notes like me? back and yeah. forth, but yeah, like, but not kind of getting to the meat and potatoes of it. Um, but I feel like that's kind of there. And, and, and once again, another guy who I'll throw out like all these kind of not great sources, but Jim Bowden, you know, he says that the Cubs have made significant offers to Jordan Montgomery, to uh, Cody Bellinger, to Matt Chapman and Reese Hoskins. And what do all four of those guys have in common? They're all represented by Scott Boris. So like Reese, Reese Hoskins, another great candidate to sign one of those pillow contracts. I'd say the only issue there is that if you keep signing a guy at a key position like first base to pillow contracts, eventually you're going to need someone to establish themselves long-term there. But, you know, that's kind of 2025's problem if you do do that for 2024. So, again, that's another great candidate. I think all offseason. Yeah, and Reese Hoskins, I think, would be an excellent signing in the vein of Bellinger, a guy with production to his name coming off of an injury. I think you could do a lot worse at the right value. But something that I know you have maintained out loud and I've kind of maintained quietly because I try not to argue about baseball in the offseason. Just nobody wins when that happens is that there is there are still avenues out there for the Cubs to end up with a productive offseason. Now, those arrows uh, avenues dwindled a great deal when Otani came off the board, when Yamamoto came off the board and his other names started coming off the board. So those avenues dwindled, but they weren't gone completely and they involved finding success with the big free agent pieces still out there. Imanaga is hopefully the the start on that road. And as we've talked about for the last couple of minutes now, there are other pieces out there that could be had reasonably and would absolutely make this team that much more competitive in 2024. And all you need to do is commit to that. And all you need to do is deal with their, their somewhat crazy, but crazy like a Fox agent. Yeah, exactly. Uh, those options are out there. I like Reese Hoskins. I he coming back from injury, missed all last year, but hits the ball really hard. So I, I do think Reese Hoskins would be a good uh, fit. But the other thing too, being like this division is not good. No, it's an uh, awful where, division. The Brewers are expected to make some trades. I don't know if they will. Uh, you know, as we're getting close to season, but you even look at their team. It's like their offense. He, their position player group is, is not good. They lost their manager, you know, that was supposed to have the Brewers magic. You look at the reds kind of mediocre to me. Their rotation is not very good. They spent a ton of money, but most of the money they spent, not that great. The Cardinals. Yeah. I mean, they had a terrible year last year. Maybe they have some bounce back. They spent a lot of money, but also a lot of the money in the Sonny Gray is probably decent, but Lance Lynn and a lot of the money went to mediocrity. Yeah. Like you spent a lot of money on, Sonny Gray, who exactly. could probably be Sonny better probably for them. Decent. Yeah, but Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson, you spent a lot of money on mediocrity. Right. Like you said, you put out on our Twitter account earlier today, and of course that is at BTYL Podcast on Twitter, um, the Dan Simborski's uh, Zips chart projected for the Reds. And you, I think you aptly commented on it, more NL Central mediocrity. Right. This division is not going to go down to the wire. You can build a competitive team and you can win this division with a strong 90 win team. The last year's Cubs won 83 games despite a complete collapse in September. And despite I think some questionable managerial changes that 
that uh, contributed to those. You can improve this team with a few signings and you can absolutely improve seven games in one off season. That is not an astronomical number. That is not impossible. That's not undoable. And the Cubs have every opportunity to do that. And I just want them to go ahead and do it. Right. That was exactly my point. That's exactly the point I was about to make. Uh, those options are right there. Like the Cubs can, this division is mediocre, is not a great division. The Cubs have the opportunity with clear, clear holes to go out, you know, first base, third base, maybe center field, uh, depending on how you feel about Pete Crow Armstrong. And Mike uh, Talkman, depending right. on what you think they do. And there. Mike Talkman, uh, first base, third base, go out there, you get a Cody Bellinger. Maybe you play Cody Bellinger at first base. You get a Cody Bellinger, you get a Reese Hoskins, or excuse me, or Matt Chapman or a Reese Hoskins if you end up playing Cody in center. I, I, this, the Cubs could vault themselves to the top of the division, I think, Easily. with this offseason. Easily. So, uh, I, 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 it's right there in front of them. They just got to go do it. And, and and I'll give you one more, Randall, that I've heard some talk of lately. All right. It's going to not gonna make you happy. Some, I've been hearing some Josh Hader rumors. Josh Hader. I've heard Josh Hader rumors, too, but I won't share yeah. them because we're in polite company. And uh, so Josh Hader rumors, who knows? I do think Tommy Hadovy went on. You mentioned earlier that there's going to be an end of the bullpen piece added. I don't know if it's going to be Josh Hader who wants the largest contract uh, in closer history, it sounds okay, like. Okay, good luck with that, Josh. But uh, uh, there has been some connection, obviously, correct counsel. Um, but uh, there, that opportunity is there for these last five weeks of where you have Bob Nightingale, and I know it's Nightingale, but whatever, saying the Cubs are going to be the most active team in the last five weeks. You have all these other guys saying that the Cubs are out there seriously talking. It's time. We saw Shota Imanaga. The Cubs, Jed woke up. It's time for Jed to complete the offseason. It's a nice first move. That's the way I'm looking at it. Imanaga is a good first move, but he's a first move. That's the operative word. First. First there move. needs to be more. Absolutely. First move. And, you know, and something that I think it is important to keep in mind, we keep mentioning it is mid-January that pitchers and catchers do report in about a month. Uh, Bryce Harper, a Boris client, he was not afraid to wait until spring training was well underway, early March, to sign his mega deal. I would not be surprised to see some of these guys still unsigned as camps do open and some of these guys sign in early March. That would not surprise me at all. They will still get their money. You don't miss out on any money necessarily. Um, they will still get their multi-year contracts. Boris will still take his cut. So if we are still, as if, if a lot of these guys are still unsigned on March 1st, that would not surprise me if it's March 1st and we're still sitting here talking about how Cody Bellinger or Matt Chapman could help the Cubs. That would not surprise me. Boris is not afraid to have his clients do that if it means they're able to get a significant extra amount of money. Uh, so the Cubs, uh, again, they were not silent in this month since they did make some additions to the coaching staff. And for a while, that was the most exciting thing they had done. Uh, the Cubs do have a new bench coach. That is former Cubs draft pick Ryan Flaherty and former major league infielder Ryan Flaherty. They have added Darren Holmes as the bullpen coach, Mark Stripmatter as the catching coach and major league field coordinator. All of the other coaches from the 2023 season do return with the exception of assistant hitting coach, Johnny Washington. He has left for a position, I believe with Minnesota, Jeremy, is that correct? Uh, I, I, off the top of my head, I'm not sure about Johnny. Washington, okay. So he's left for sorry. another position and uh, John Melee has been promoted to his vacant hitting assistant hitting coach position. We knew that John Melee was going to be back on the major league staff in some capacity. We weren't quite sure where, but that is where he will fit in. So I know he's happy to be back on the major Angels league coaching staff for John Angels. Washington. Okay. Well, the angels are like the, the twins of the American league West. So yeah. anyway, so 
uh, everybody, everybody else is back. We are, they are retaining Tommy Hadovy on the pitching side. They are retaining Dustin Kelly on the hitting side, uh, base coaches sticking around, which I thought Napoli might find himself another position. Cause he did seem like the kind of guy who would be a David Ross loyalist, but he's still sticking around. So not a whole lot of turnover, but, uh, I know the Ryan Flaherty addition as bench coach, it did catch your eye a little bit because there is kind of a, a circularness there of his time with the Cubs where he played collegiately. It all comes full circle. Right. Yeah, definitely. You know, Flaherty, obviously being a former Cubs draft pick, anytime somebody like was in the Cubs system, comes back to the Cubs, it always kind of catches my eye, you know, looking at it. And, and you mentioned, right, he's a Vanderbilt guy. And we know that Dancy Swanson, Carter Hawkins, Vanderbilt guys. Right. So Ryan Flan Flaherty, I think he's from Maine, something like that. Some crazy thing where his father was like a, a, a lower division college coach, a longtime college baseball coach. So he comes from that type of coaching uh, uh, stock, I guess. But uh, the thing I know about Ryan Flaherty is he was he was up for the Padres job, right? He, he was, was, it was yes. him or Mike Quaddy. He was with the Padres. He supposedly his basically his job with the he's highly thought of. But the, the, the one thing they talked about him being with the Padres is that he was like Manny Machado's best friend yeah. Um, on the Padres, which Manny Machado just signed to that huge long term extension. So maybe if he hadn't, like maybe we'd be in Manny Machado talks coming to yeah. the Cubs. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's neat when a guy like Ryan Flaherty was well thought of. Uh, Craig Council was very deliberate in making these moves, so I assume that he obviously had went over and he decided on Ryan Flaherty, and Flaherty came here. Uh, I like it. You know, I was not the biggest fan of Andy Green in the few times where Andy Green took over for David Ross when he got ejected. Uh, I, I think getting an up and coming guy like Ryan Flaherty when you have a manager like Craig Council who is the opposite, like this is the opposite of what we had with Andy Green. And David Ross, you had like a new manager and the veteran will per se uh, uh, bench coach where now we have the young up and coming kind of bench coach with a veteran manager who's been around. So that's interesting. And the other thing I found interesting was these two other coaches, uh, uh, Strip Matter and Darren Holmes. I don't know anything about them. I just think it's funny that they spent a significant amount of time in the Colorado Rockies organization. That's not exactly where I expected the Cubs to be making hires from. Yeah, not necessarily, but, you know, catching coach. Uh, bullpen coach you just get your quality guys where you can get them and you hope it doesn't make a whole lot of difference yes Ryan Flaherty uh, was on Bob Melvin's Padres staff the last few seasons he is well regarded throughout the game of course he's been in uh, he's been in baseball a very long time and you know that probably meant a lot to him to have a guy like Craig Council who regardless of what I think of him I'm sure does carry quite a bit of water in baseball circles it probably meant a lot to have Craig Council and Jed Hoyer reach out to him and say hey we'd like you to come be a part of this coaching staff and what we're trying to build and you know that that probably held a lot of water so you know good to have that all sewn up to whatever extent that matters and I'm I'm just glad that we have something to talk about that is not the coaching staff because again for the longest time better part of two months now that was uh, just about the only thing the Cubs had done right and uh you know good the good thing is though we're only a month away for pitchers and catchers reporting we are so we're gonna have some things to talk about and I, I'm, I'm expecting some uh uh you know moves to be made at least up until that point one other thing I do want to ask you about Randall uh I had seen this kind of making the rounds I think I think Ronan might have sent it to our group maybe you sent it to one Ronan of Ronan is a sender of things to our group it is one of his primary uh, skills but of course this big weekend we mentioned already is Cubs convention it is they put out that Lollapalooza-esque <laughs> poster <laughs> and the headline is basically Craig Council, Council and Jed Hoyer, Jed Hoyer on stage one yeah that was a little weird to me. I, 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 you know, I'm a big fan of Craig Council. I'm a big fan of Jed Hoyer. I, I, at the time, he guessed he was the big offseason move, but still, like, 
Craig Council is your number one guy. And, and Jed, I don't even think – I don't feel like either of those guys would want to be considered, like, the top headline Yeah, guy. You, you know, I, I don't know if that's a musical I would attend. Not that, I, not that I've attended a whole lot of music festivals in my time. I don't know that I would attend one headlined by Craig Council and Jed Hoyer. Maybe Len Casper and Bob Renly, because we know the two of them actually had a successful musical act occasionally. But, yeah, you know, I think the graphic design department for the Cubs social media department, which is, of course, one of the best in the business, you know, they, they – had to make something and if you put players at the top of that who do you put at the top of that do you put Dansby and Ian Happ at the top of that those are kind of your two biggest faces so I I kind of understand why they did it you don't want to make any one current player to be more important than another even if they are so who do you have to use your team president and your manager so certainly graphic design graphic design decisions were made um and I am, again, once again, glad that it's not the only thing that we have to talk about in this offseason. Right. I mean, of course, you didn't have to make a Lollapalooza-esque poster. You didn't have to do that to begin with. But I would have laughed that they had just been like Tom Ricketts at the top headlining the uh, the Cubs convention because I'm sure it's going to be a great time for him. But, you know, there were some like Hall of Famers there that were like in the very bottom, like like guy like why are they so small why are they below some other weird guys like that was probably where i would have gone i probably would have stuck with the hall of famers would have been easier there's four of them or five of them like you know they're everybody loves them they they're former players they're not going to get you know you put your ryan sandberg your andre dawson your uh i don't know if they're coming but billy williams fergie jenkins i think you would be kind of fine with that uh i just thought it was funny you know and of course you know something to turn into on friday now to see uh shota imanaga and uh hopefully cody bellinger coming out as clark the cub or something yeah you know cody bellinger he'll he'll wander in out of the snow with that typical look upon his face he, he doesn't know he's not supposed to be there and the cubs will just say okay he's back uh you know like like adopting a pet from a shelter uh, yeah, you know, I I do kind of hope that Imanaga is that is that is his first exposure to Cubs fans for better or worse. Just go whole hog, get you know, get the full dose right away. Um, I do think that will be kind of neat if that's the first time he's introduced or second time, I guess. First time he's introduced kind of to a crowd as a member of the Cubs. I think that will be kind of neat. Um, yeah, you know, if you had used former players and you know Ben Zobrist, not a Hall of Famer, but he is literally the only Cubs. World Series MVP in franchise history. A lot of guys got buried down there. You know, then, of course, the joke is you don't have any current players worth highlighting. It all has to be your past players. So I'm sure that the, you know, the publicity department had to really thread the needle and they ended up threading it right through Craig Council and Jed Hoyer. I mean, yeah, but then the joke is you got it. You don't have any players. You have yeah, yeah that's the joke, too. So that's the joke, too. You know, they should have they should have put featuring special guest, but not told yeah. us who that would have been. Yeah. And then we then we get to speculate for two or three days. And it was Imanaga. To, and it's Imanaga, exactly. Uh so they, they could have gone that route and made it that much more interesting. So Shota Imanaga, ostensibly a member of the Chicago Cubs, hopefully introduced um and uh, everything in place by the time we are we are next with you we have the cubs convention coming up this weekend uh the cubs will introduce two more inductees into the team hall of fame um that's always interesting to see who they are going to pick player wise or from the history of the organization Sammy jeremy Sosa. you look like yeah yeah fingers crossed sammy fingers crossed. He, he can be the special guest at the uh the music festival uh yeah so lots of possibilities lots of ways i'm willing to bet that carrie wood is probably a name who will be inducted you know if, if i were uh, betting on Cubs Hall of Fame inductees. I, I love Kerry Wood. So I'd put okay. some money on Kerry Wood. Um, so that will be 
It'll be fun to see they announce that during the opening ceremonies and maybe something else uh, worthwhile will come out of the convention, broadcast information. There's not going to be a business and operations panel because that's not happening. Uh, but uh, maybe something else. It's a mingle with Tom Ricketts. He's going to yeah, buy mingle you a beer with Tom Ricketts. I, I'm not sure I would pay to mingle <laughs> with Tom Ricketts. You <laughs> might have to pay me. Is. Right. Whatever the hell that is. Exactly. Uh, so, Jeremy, anything else about our beloved Cubs as the offseason apparently begins in earnest on January 10th? Uh, the only thing I'm going to say is, is what we just said to a little, you know, because I know he's listening to this podcast, uh, to Jed Hoyer, is to go out there and keep making moves. You can keep, keep quiet, making moves. but keep making them. And uh, it's, a, it's a good first move, Jed. Good job on the first move. Follow it up. You have to follow it up. Real G's move in silence, Jed Hoyer, like lasagna. It's a great place to end it for tonight. I'm Randall. He's Jeremy. Follow us on Twitter at BTYL Podcast. Thanks for listening as always, and we will be back with you again soon. 